It is remarkable how so much of what we read in the book of Revelation had been hinted at or alluded to elsewhere in Scripture. In fact, this closing book of the Bible brings to a climax all of these themes. We'll see this emerge in today's study as well. So let's join Pastor Phil in Revelation chapter 17. So this mystery of Babylon has spawned all false religions on the face of the earth, including the Roman Catholic Church. I do think, as I said last time, the Roman Catholic Church is going to play a major role in organizing the world into a one world church, bringing all faiths together at the time of the Antichrist. So uh, I'm not saying they won't have a major role in it. I just don't think uh, it's only speaking of them, Mystery Babel. I think it encompasses much more than that. And also, if you think about it, the angels call for discernment. Spiritual discernment would have been pointless if the seven mountains were an obvious geographical reference to Rome. That would have been a no-brainer. That would have been easy. There has to be more to it than that. Otherwise, the angel wouldn't have said, John, look, this is a tough one. You've got to have spiritual discerning to understand what's going on here. Well, it doesn't take a lot of spiritual discernment to know seven mountains. Well, that could be Rome. I mean, after all, you know, Rome is the thing. And Well, Rome is part of it, but not. it's not like the Roman Catholic Church is all of it. Um, the angel tells John that the beast the woman is riding represents seven kings and kingdoms. Five have fallen. One is... And the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time, verse 10 tells us. Now listen to me, okay? There have been six world empires that have existed in history. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Technically, they were not world empires in the sense that they, they didn't really encompass the whole world, right? But they encompassed the whole known world at that time centered there in Europe, the Middle East, that kind of thing, okay? The final world empire will be a true world empire, all right? But there have been six kingdoms, world empires, that have existed in history. Again, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. In John's day, five had come and gone. The sixth one, the Roman Empire, was currently in power, so when the angel told John concerning these kingdoms, five have fallen and one is, of course, the one that was in power was Rome, the, uh, and the other, which would be the seventh world empire, has not yet come. That's what the angel told John. Of course, we know the final world empire is the one that the Antichrist is going to bring. All right, that will be the seventh. Verse 10. These are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other is not yet come, and when he comes, he must continue a short time. Now, this is difficult. This is difficult. Because these five preceding, and including Rome, so the sixth, six world empires, they encompassed several centuries each. So how do you get 
six kingdoms with six kings. When in fact, each kingdom was around for centuries, which meant it had many emperors or pharaohs or rulers. That's a tough one. And because of it, some try to say, well, okay, in John's day, there were five Roman emperors that had come and gone, and one was in power, Domitian, but then it kind of falls apart because Domitian didn't die and come back to life, and, but they're trying to understand the kings. You know, I think it's best to understand these five mountains, or excuse me, these six mountains as kingdoms, world empires. Five have come and gone in John's day. One is. That was the Roman Empire. There are also five kings, or six kings. I think possibly the kings could represent in this context the demonic entity that was over each of these empires. Now, we knew this from Daniel 10, right? When Daniel prayed and God dispatched an angel and took three weeks for the angel to come to give him his answer to prayer, and, and uh, the angel said, look, from the very first day that you set yourself to praying and fasting, God dispatched me, but I was withheld, I was kept from you, I was engaged in, in, in combat with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Persia was the world empire at that time, Medo-Persia. There was a demonic entity over, a king, you might say, over this world empire. He says, and when I leave here, I'm going to have to do battle with not only the prince of Persia, but the prince of Greece. Greece was not even going to be the world empire for another 300 years. And already the demonic entity was in place over the next world empire. So to me, it doesn't, and we know that when the Antichrist in chapter 11, verse 7, the Antichrist himself is empowered by some demonic entity that comes out of the bottomless pit, right? So even his kingdom is spoken of as having ultimately behind it a demonic force. So that is the best explanation I can come up with to explain to you what is going on here. I do believe that these are world empires. Five had fallen. In John's time, the Roman, Emp Roman Empire was in power. And of course, the final world empire would be the Antichrist Empire. But when it comes, it's only going to continue for a short time, it says, right? Because the other empires, they continued for centuries. This one is only going to continue for three and a half years. Three and a half years. The last half of the tribulation period, a short time, verse 10 tells us. Verse 11, And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going into uh, to perdition. And again, we want to thank the Lord for sending this angel to make things clear. I mean, you read this and go, you know, and, and he's trying to explain this to John. Okay. I mean, I, could, I would just have loved to have been there to look at the expression on John's face. You know, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. All right, well, let's see if we can unravel this. The sixth mountain or world empire is the Roman Empire, which again was in power in John's day. It eventually died, of course, but it's going to be resurrected as the seventh and final world empire 
composed of ten regions that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream as ten toes made up of iron and clay, and Daniel interpreted as the revived Roman Empire. Okay? Now, out of the seventh empire will arise an eighth king who will be of the seventh kingdom. In other words, the Antichrist, when he comes to power as a man of peace at the beginning of the last seven years, right? He is going to help the world organize itself into a one world government, ten regions, okay? He's not going to be really the absolute ruler. He's going to be looked upon as somebody that, you know, that uh, is very wise and has helped to bring this about. But these regions seem to have 10 leaders. Uh, you know, they might be uh, presidents or regents or kings over them. But what's going to happen is, so he's going to be of this seventh empire, the Antichrist, working with it. But then he is going to rise up and take over this final world empire by setting himself up by force as king or absolute ruler. And so out of this ten rises one who will be the king of this final stage of this world empire. Starts off as a man of peace. Around the midpoint he becomes a military, bloodthirsty tyrant. He seizes control sets himself up as the absolute ruler or king, which means he's the eighth, but is really of the seventh kingdom. It's a little tricky, but I think you get it. Uh, turn to Daniel 7. We'll read this. Daniel 7, starting in verse 7. Now, Daniel is seeing these kingdoms as well. But unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who sees them as shiny, a shiny polymetallic image, which is how man would see world governments, power, authority, uh, prosperity. Daniel sees them, it seems, from God's perspective as a series of voracious animals that tear each other apart. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. Now, you know, we've already confused you enough, but all right. Now, Daniel sees a fourth beast. Now, Daniel... You have to understand, saw these world empires as starting from Babylon, because that was the world empire that was in power when he was alive. He doesn't see Egypt and Assyria. So you got to cut those two off, all right? So his fourth beast that he sees here um, actually relates to the sixth beast that John sees in Revelation 17, because John sees them all, starting with Egypt and Assyria. Okay, which means Rome in John's vision was the sixth kingdom, right? But for Daniel, it was the fourth. And it's a little confusing. So the fourth beast that Daniel sees, he is seeing the Roman Empire. All right. It's dreadful, terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. That's how the Roman Empire took control. They just swept across Europe, like a steamroller, just crushing and, and, and bringing into submission everybody. I mean, it was just incredible how strong they were. It was different. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had what? 
ten horns. Now, all of a sudden, Daniel sees into the future. Prophecy will do this oftentimes. Something will be said, and then there will be a gap of time, and then it scopes out into the future, and it brings two events together that may be separated by thousands of years and just slaps them back to back, and you think it's the same thing. It's not. The Roman Empire that Daniel sees initially, then he sees the final reincarnation of it, which is the final world empire of ten kings. Remember that Nebuchadnezzar saw the ten toes mixed with iron and clay, right? Uh, he sees the same thing, basically. Uh, and before it, it had ten horns. Verse 8, I was considering the horns, and there was a, another horn, a little one, coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. So out of these ten horns arises a little horn, the Antichrist. And when he wants to assume control of this world empire, three nations give him a problem. He just rips them out. He just rips them out in his quest to take full control to become the absolute ruler of this world empire. Verse 23, this is the explanation given to Daniel now. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. That would be Rome which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth. Now we're looking forward. Trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He's, he's going to be different in the sense that he is going to be the one who's going to take control of all of them. It's the Antichrist. He shall speak pompous words. I mean, you know, we call him the Antichrist. He goes by 33 different titles in the scriptures. Antichrist really isn't one of them. That's the one that we've given him. If you really want to give him a title consistent with everything we know about him, the big mouth is probably the most consistent. Every time we see this guy, he's shooting his big mouth off. It's always speaking pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That's just another way of saying three and a half years. The final three and a half years of the seven. He's going to have authority and power uh, for three and a half years. A short time, verse 10 tells us in Revelation 17, uh, compared to the other world empires, which went on for centuries each, uh, because this final world empire is going to be interrupted by the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who will cast this character into the lake of fire and will bring his kingdom on the earth, Jesus Christ, uh, a kingdom that really will never end. Verse 12, back at Revelation 17. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. Again, the angel further explains the ten horns which John saw are ten kings. Who or what they are, we don't know because this kingdom hasn't materialized yet. We don't know exactly, of course, who these kings are going to be or what this kingdom is going to look like. Some used to think because of the revived Roman Empire, it's going to be the European Economic Union. And when it got to be 10 members, we all got very excited, didn't we? Back in the early 80s, 
And then it was 12, and it was 15, and now everyone's wanting to get in. And so, you know, we're thinking, well, gee, this, this really doesn't fit anymore. Um, then people have suggested, well, really, it's speaking of 10 regions. 10 regions, okay, uh, that will be spread over the entire world. And over each region, there'll be a king or president or, or, or regent. Uh, many believe that there are groups like the Club of Rome, uh, the Bilderbergers, the uh, Trilateralists, and the Council on Foreign Relations that have already divided up the world, world financially into 10 regions, which is the first step to eventually turning them into 10 political regions of a one-world government. Uh, you can go online and you can see, I don't know how accurate these are, but um, you can see lists of the 10 regions. The uh, North American Union is the first region. Canada, America, Mexico. European Union, I think, is the second. And then from there, it goes different places. But uh, they say that there are those, the, 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 the globalist movers and shakers, these hot shots, these big, big wheels that control the world's money and all. They've already divided the world up into 10 regions and will eventually lead us down the path of making those a political division as well, bringing the whole world into a one-world government. We talked a little bit about this at the end of one of our studies in Revelation 13, so get the CD. Uh, we went into this in more detail. But the angel tells John the final world empire will only continue one hour. That's not literal. It's an idiom for a short time. And again, we know it's three and a half years from Daniel uh, 7.25, Revelation 13.5. Uh, their empire, though, is going to be cut short because Jesus will return to establish his kingdom. One of the reasons they come together, uh, at least as we move into the second half of the last seven years, is because they want to wage war against the Lamb, against the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see them gather for the final battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19, which we'll study when we get there. And, you know, what can I say? How deceived man can be that he actually thinks he can go to war against God and win. But um, this is Satan's last stand. This is his last attempt to keep Jesus from returning, to take his rightful place. Satan is the god of this world, right? He stole this world basically from Adam and Eve in the garden. And he wants to keep control of it. Jesus took control legally at the cross and is coming back again to take possession of what he has bought and paid for at Calvary. Now, the devil wants to keep that from happening. Now, does he really think he can keep it from happening? I don't know. I really don't know. I've thought about this. He's obviously a very intelligent creature. I mean, the most brilliant of any angel God made. Does he actually think he can go to war against God and win? Seems like he thinks he's got a shot, at least. I don't know. But anyways, this is going to be his final. I mean, this is, this is the best um, opportunity he's ever had. I mean, this, he's got the whole world on his side now. I mean, Egypt, Assyria, Rome, say what you will, they were strong, but they were not really, they were world empires, but they technically were not world empires. This is going to be a truly world empire. And armies from all over the world are going to gather to go to war against Jesus when he returns. Of course, they're not going to win. They're not going to even fight. He doesn't even give them a chance. He just, he just wipes them out. And, uh, and that's it. And he takes control of this earth. He's God, of course. Well, Revelation 17, verse 13. These are of one mind, 
and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Why? Well, again, in Revelation 13, verses 3 and 4, why does the world, why does the world so eagerly and willingly come together for this Antichrist? Why are they so loyal to him? Well, again, it has to do with the fact that he has supernatural abilities, he's charismatic, he's got the wisdom of the devil, really, who's not a dummy. And on top of that, somebody tries to take him out, looks like he's dead, now he comes back to life. So the whole world is really now, it goes from adoration um, to absolute worship. And uh, verse 4 says, So they worship the dragon, the devil, who gave authority to the beast, and worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him? So that's why they think they can win in a battle against Jesus, because this guy has got them so deceived, they don't think anybody can beat him, including God. They will find differently when the time comes. Verse 14, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he... Don't you love this? Is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And I'm going to leave this until chapter 19 because I just love to watch this unfold. So we'll look at that. We get to chapter 19. We've already looked at verse 15. Okay, verse 16 says, And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, Make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. And once again, and I don't mean to beat this to death, but again, just so you understand, the thing the Antichrist needs in bringing the whole world together is religion, okay? Uh, the world is too diverse politically, culturally, you know, linguistically, for anybody to bring the, even this character who has supernatural abilities he cannot bring the world together as diverse as it is politically and so on he needs religion religion unites like nothing else you know i mean if you can get people to believe in the same thing wow that not only will unite them in a way that nothing else will but it will be a very strong bond he needs this world church to help him to bring the world together. And so for the first three and a half years, he allows this woman to basically ride the beast. In other words, he allows her to control him. She's riding him. She's controlling him the way a rider controls a horse, right? That's right, that he or she is riding. And once we get to the midpoint of the seven years, now he has gained, I mean, everyone's brought together. Now he doesn't need her anymore. And so he turns on her and destroys her. Once his power is consolidated, he doesn't need her help anymore. And so now he turns on her, destroys her, and um, doesn't allow any worship but that which is directed at him because he is now the god of a new religious order. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, Let no one deceive you, Paul said, by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Remember, 
he was and is not and yet is and going into perdition. He's the son, he's the son of hell. The Antichrist. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Of course, that takes place right in the middle of the last seven years. Matthew 24, verse 15, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet Jesus said, standing in the holy place, get out of your house, don't even go back. If you're, if you're on the housetop, don't even go inside to get clothes, flee. Because the Antichrist is going to show his true colors and begin a wave of persecution against the Jewish people. The world has never seen anything like it from the very beginning until that time, nor will ever see anything like it again. So not only does he break his covenant with Israel, which is why he goes into the rebuilt temple, okay, but he breaks his covenant with or his relationship with the apostate church. Uh, J. Vernon McGee says the hatred of the Antichrist and his followers against the apostate church is so violent that the reaction is described as the cannibalistic picking of her bones, then burning them with fire. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. He said for